Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Pirelli tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. the governor of the state of Texas, uh, let me find this uh, tweet that I found, uh, Greg Abbott, who is the governor, he tweeted last night, I'm with the newly elected governor of Oklahoma. Obviously, we have our difference of opinion about the game this weekend, hashtag hook em. And sitting next to the governor of Oklahoma, the uh, governor of Texas is doing the hook em sign, and the governor of Oklahoma is doing the downwards hook em sign. And they're both grinning for the photo. They're not fighting they're not in complete uh, disability to sit beside each other. That's kind of what makes college football great. What I do not love is the absurdity of the storyline surrounding the hook'em horn sign. Have y'all been paying attention to this? It's a huge deal now that some teams do the downwards hook'em horn sign when they do something good to combat the upwards hook'em horn sign when Oklahoma does something good. This is crazy to me that Oklahoma is going to get penalized 15 yards if any of their players do the downward hook'em horn sign. Here's my argument. If you can do the upward-facing hook'em horn sign, then you have to be able to do the downward sign. You can't allow a thumbs-up gesture and say you can't do the thumbs-down gesture. Am I the only one who thinks this is crazy that the Big 12 is getting involved and saying, hey, Oklahoma, if you do the downward hook'em horn sign, we're going to penalize you 15 yards. This is not allowed under the rules. 
Can anybody defend this at all? Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Talk about the stupid rule from the Big 12 that the downward hook'em horn is 15-yard penalty. Could be instrumental in this game between Oklahoma and Texas. Lots of people want to react. JT in Rochester, York, what you got for me? Hey, Clay, how you doing? Excellent. I I think this is political correctness gone mad and why you are so popular and why you're doing so great. You're one of the few people that points out and saves America from the liberal, you know, politically correct snowflakes that are on national talk radio. This is ridiculous. It's because one person complains, all of a sudden, you know, everyone needs to react to that complaint. You offended me. It's a joke. It shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, I, one I other th- thing, Clay, I want to... Yeah, go Clay, ahead. One, one other thing. The, the college football playoff, I have a really good idea that you should promote big time. Get rid of week one where it's like Alabama versus Moorhead State. Allow the, national, the, the conference finals, allow that to continue, and just add one more week for the BCS so you can make it eight teams. Everyone wins. The players don't play more weeks. Uh, they still get their, their um, conference title game. And we get the 18 playoff. I think that's the perfect solution to this problem. Yeah, Thanks I appreciate play. Love you. I think you're amazing. I appreciate the call. Um, Alabama actually starts usually with a tough neutral site game against an opponent, which is why they play the Citadel in November. And that's why I really don't have a problem with the way they do their schedule. I, I, I think the challenge is, in general, with replacing the conference title game that they're making so much money. I think you probably have to play the conference title games and expand the playoff to eight, uh, which is probably okay. But I just think the conference title game is a waste, in general. And by the way, in the state of Texas, you would think of all the people who would be okay with somebody throwing a hand gesture that you don't like, it would be Texans with the big swaggering belt buckles and hats and all the cattle and the cowboys and everything else of all the states in the union to be triggered snowflakes over a hand gesture you would think texas would be a state that could handle it it's absolutely pathetic in my opinion that they run to the big 12 conference and hide behind the commissioner's skirt and beg to be protected tj in omaha what's up hey clay hey they are the bunch of communists down there in uh Texas, you know, the reason why they have the one star on their flag is they think they run the whole country. And let's be but, honest. Uh, if Texas, you know, if, if any other state was doing this, if like if it were an extremely liberal state, like, oh, we're so upset when somebody does the opposite of our hand gesture, you've got to penalize them. If that was taking place in like Berkeley, everybody in Texas would say, oh, you know how those left-wing loser liberals are. They can't handle when somebody says something that hurts their feelings. And now Texas, of all states, is the one curled up in the fetal position whining and begging for protection. Makes no sense. Uh, Randy in Palo Alto, what's up? I'm going to run through a bunch of these. Any of these other schools had a badass like hand gesture and they went upside down, it would also be a penalty for those teams. It's not Texas being put on a pedestal in the Big Ten. But with that said, the thumbs up is a universal get gesture worldwide. Thumbs up, thumbs down. The horn, it, it's there. Upside down, you might as well give them the bird. You know what I mean? Nah, I disagree. I think if you can do the positive, then somebody else should be the negative. Who was that that I was actually talking to there, Dub? That was Randy in Palo Alto. All right, Josh in Texas. What's up, Josh? 
hey, what's going on, Clay? Man, this whole communist and snowflake thing, it's not what, like, it's not, uh, it's not all Texas fans. Where did, where did it even come from? Do you have any idea? I know Tom Herman was whining about it after the West Virginia game. He was saying, hey, we need to have everybody penalized who's throwing up the hook'em horns down. Tom Herman, like of all the things you could be worried about, you're worried about somebody else doing something. If you don't like what somebody can point the gesture downwards, then don't do the gesture upwards. That's the thing. Like if it's not a penalty to do the hook'em horns to celebrate, then I don't understand how it can be a penalty to do the downward hook'em horns. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I'm a big-time Texas fan, always have been, and that stupid upside-down horn thing, I mean, it's you know pissed me off since I can remember watching Texas football when I was a kid. And, yeah. I mean, I don't understand why all of a sudden it's a, it's a big deal. I'm with you, man. I appreciate it. You know what? And there are a lot of Texas fans who are tweeting me also saying, this is a stupid hill to die on. We don't care. The other thing Oklahoma could do is they could sarcastically do the hook'em horns when they score. Every time they score, if the whole team started doing the hook'em horns, it might kill it in the process. Joe in Kentucky. What's up, Joe? Uh, loved loved hating you since you was on 3HL a long time ago, man. Uh, anyhow, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And I'll give you an example uh, that guy a few calls back said, you know, if any other team had that hand signal, Kentucky and Louisville this weekend, when Benny Snell ran in the end zone, he put the L's down. Nothing was said. No flags were thrown. Nothing was written about it, man. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, and, that, like, the L's down is, yeah, so what? You know, like, I, I, I just, I, I think in general that there's a good a caller called earlier and said, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to do more of the celebration, allow it in college football like it does in the NFL. It doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of taunting going on in the NFL, and we got guys doing limbos in the end zone, right? It's an entertainment product, and if you're entertaining, then go ahead and do it. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand why we have to be so concerned with every gesture that people do. Troy in Louisiana. What's up, Troy? Wait. Yes. So this is my thing, man. When you have a female dog and you call that female dog the B-word, that is a term of what that dog is. If you call that same dog a B-word out of anger, that is derogatory. Thumbs up means you accept something from across the room. If you're across the room, I give you a thumbs down. That means I don't want what you have. If I do a hook a corn sign down, that has no good That has no good meaning in life. It's, just, it's derogatory. So it doesn't offend me, but I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, but I think what you're doing, and this is the chat, thanks for the call. What you're doing is you're sending the message of you can't handle somebody saying something that you don't like. That's what you're basically saying. Like, we need to protect somebody from their feelings being hurt because if their feelings get hurt, they might do or say something that is uh, unacceptable, right? I mean, this is like what we're about now as a society is we got to keep people from ever giving getting their feelings hurt. How about telling people just to toughen up? If you don't want somebody to do the downward took horn sign, keep them from scoring. If you don't want somebody to do the upward took horn score sign, keep them from scoring. Like, this is crazy that the Big 12 needs to get involved to send a message that we will find, we will flag you 15 yards if we see you doing it. Also, it puts the officials in a ridiculous proposition because they got to watch everybody's hand gestures all the game, all game long. Stupid. Makes no sense to me. Uh, Ted in Virginia, what's up? Hey, Clay. First of all, big fan. I think you're absolutely correct 
on one thing, that this is the snowflake culture ruling things. Where I disagree is I don't think it's a Texas thing. I know Herman complained at the Dub V game, but I, I was watching a game earlier this year, an Ole Miss football game. Te'amu gets sacked for Ole Miss. And right afterwards, the defender who sacked him gave the shark sign on his helmet and was flagged 15 yards. Yeah. I'm telling you, this falls under the heading of DBAP. You're exactly right. Collegiate athletics, we need a safe space. I think they're going to start flagging teams if you go for two when the book doesn't call for it. (laughs) It is a good point. Like the, the Ole Miss is the land shark. And when you sometimes sack, it's a stupid, like, ridiculous way to celebrate, right? But when you sometimes sack somebody, I think it's funny to throw up the land shark in a derogatory fashion, which is why I would say that Oklahoma players should all do the hook'em sign every time they score, because if upwards hook'em is allowed and downwards isn't, why don't you just ridicule the Longhorns by doing their own gesture when you score a touchdown? Because then you get into, well, one team can do something and the other team can't, and it just gets into even more of an absurdity. Who was I just talking to? I can't even remember. It was like, I don't know, Jake into Austin, Texas, I think, is up next. Jake in Austin, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Clay? One thing you got to understand about Austin, this is the snowflake capital, liberal capital of Texas. It does not reflect the rest of Texas. I've lived in about four college towns. And this is the softest fan base that I've ever come into contact with. And I mean, is I was, this I you, you live in Austin? Record. If you live in Austin, aren't you yeah, embarrassed fair. to be whining because somebody took I your am. hand gesture and pointed it downwards? Like, how do you have a grown person like Tom Herman or anybody else making this argument? Clay, you got you got to drink one less beer when you're out here because you might say something that's going to offend somebody, and they might try to find out where you work and get you fired because they want to be so politically correct over here. It's a damn embarrassment. It is, I think. Thanks for the call, uh, and thanks for listening. It is, to me, just kind of emblematic of the larger uh, arena of stupidity that we have found ourselves in the modern era. It really is. We're going to be joined by Barrett Salee here on the flip side, but I appreciate all your calls. You can find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. Maybe I'll put up a poll question. Even Texas people, even your average Texas Longhorn fan, I believe, thinks this is stupid. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Jerry Jones treating the Dallas Cowboys well. Remember a few weeks ago when Jerry Jones made the decision to give up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper and people lost their minds. People said, oh my God, Jerry Jones is an imbecile. He's a fool. The general consensus was that Amari Cooper was in no way worthy of a first-round pick. And then what has happened since that trade? Amari Cooper has gone off. If you go look at Amari Cooper's performance since the Dallas Cowboys traded for him, it is pretty remarkable. I mean, think about this for a minute uh, and cover your eyes, avert your gaze if you are a Oakland Raiders fan. Here's what the Oakland Raiders did with Amari Cooper. In game one, he had one catch for nine yards. In game three, he had two catches for 17 yards. In game four, he had one catch for 10 yards, and in game five against the Seattle uh, Seahawks, he didn't register a single statistical measure. Now, he did have eight for 128 against the Cleveland Browns, and he had 10 for 116 
against the Denver Broncos. But there were a lot of people out there arguing, you know what, Amari Cooper is finished. Since he got to the Dallas Cowboys, and by the way, he had one touchdown catch during his time with the Oakland Raiders. Since he got to the Dallas Cowboys, he's got three touchdown catches. And in that game against the uh, Washington Redskins, I don't know if the Dallas Cowboys beat the Washington Redskins without him. Amari Cooper went for eight catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns, including a 90-yard touchdown. He has started to take the top off the defense and be a substantial playmaker. In the NFC East, he went for six catches for 75 yards against the Philadelphia Eagles as well. I think tonight, if the Dallas Cowboys are going to have a chance to pull off the upset over the New Orleans Saints, Amari Cooper has to have a massive game. And that is because, in particular, the New Orleans Saints defense is number one against the run in the entirety of the NFL. Usually what the Dallas Cowboys like to do is feed Ezekiel Elliott and take advantage of opportunities that he opens up in the passing game. I think the Cowboys are going to have to be pass first or run second in order to beat the New Orleans Saints. I don't think they're going to do it. My gambling move is I'm going to be on the Saints and I'm going to be on the over in this game. But I do think it is worth paying attention to as you move down uh, the, uh, the 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 landscape of college football to uh, of the NFL to see what ends up happening. And honestly, to start to give Jerry Jones a little bit of props about the decision he made to give up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Right now, Jerry Jones looks brilliant. It's a storyline worth paying attention to tonight. Yes, tonight, as we have a Thursday night football going on, uh, game going on with the Dallas Cowboys hosting the New Orleans Saints. That is what the biggest story of the day is going to be in the world of sports. But this story and this statistic blew me away. So I'm on lock it in. College football, college football, NFL, gambling show in general. If you love sports gambling, you need to be watching us. 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central, 2.30 Mountain, 1.30 Pacific. Me, Cousin Sal, Todd Furman, Rachel Bonetta. Uh, that show is on FS1. Appreciate all of you watching. We had huge audiences for us on Monday and Tuesday. The show continues to grow, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. It's an awesome crew to get to hang out with and do a show every weekday, Monday through Friday. But one of the stats that our research crew gave me yesterday blew my mind. We have been talking about how dominant the Alabama Crimson Tide is this year and talking about historically whether Alabama is the best team in college football history. And it's a good debate. We don't know 100% because, like all debates, you can argue for other teams. I say, in the modern era, the best college football teams I've ever seen, 1995 Nebraska. That was the Tommy Frazier team that embarrassed the Florida Gators and Steve Spurrier in the championship game. Hung 62 on them. Tommy Frazier still running, I think. If you are a Gator fan, you still see that in your nightmares. 2001 Miami, which honestly was as good almost in 2002, but they threw the late flag that allowed Ohio State to win that championship in Maurice Claret's freshman year, if you remember that game. Uh, 2000, so 2002 uh, was, uh, was a really good team, but 2001 Miami was incredibly talented. And then also the USC teams with Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, Lindell White, and those, uh, those talented players. They won the title. Uh, in 2004, they split it with uh, with uh, Auburn and a couple other schools, LSU. It's kind of a messy situation, 2003, 2004, 2005. They lost in 2005 
on the uh, late Vince Young touchdown, but that USC era was dominant. Here's something that's crazy. None of those teams did what Alabama has done so far. The Alabama Crimson Tide has won every single game, all 12, by 22 or more points. And the research crew went back and looked at this, because I've been asking the question, has anybody ever done this before in the history of college football? And it turns out one team has, putting Alabama's performance in a historical context, only one team has ever been as good as 2018 Alabama. And I bet none of you can get this unless you have seen my tweet or unless you are the greatest sports historian of all time. The only other football team, college football team, to start off 12-0 and and have won every game by 20 or more points, that team is Yale in 1888. The only other team to win 12 games all by 20 or more. And what is wild is several of you tagged me on that Yale team uh, and their performance back in 1888. Here is what they did so you can win every bar bet for the foreseeable future. They beat Wesleyan up in Connecticut 76 to nothing. They beat Rutgers 65 to nothing. So it's good to know that some things haven't changed at all. Rutgers still getting drubbed. Pennsylvania, that's the University of Pennsylvania, not Penn State, 34 to nothing. Then they played Wesleyan again and beat them 46 to nothing. Then they beat Amherst. Then they beat Williams 39 to nothing and 30 to nothing. Then they played against MIT and won 68 to nothing. They played something called Stevens and won 69 to nothing. Then they played UPenn again, won 54 to nothing, took on Amherst again, won 70 to nothing. Then they beat Wesleyan for a third time in the same season. This time they beat him 105 to nothing. And then, can you imagine how big of a game this would have been? By the way, they hadn't been scored on all year. Then they played Princeton. Princeton was also undefeated and also had not been scored on at all, all year. Big time game back in 1888, November 24th. Yale took on Princeton and they won 10-0. So if Alabama beats Georgia by more than 10 points, they will become the first team to ever go 13-0 and beat every team by 10, by 10 or more points in the history of college football. Yale got into a dogfight against Princeton back in 1888. It was a battle for the ages. But that gives you some historical relevance for how good Alabama has been. You have to go all the way back to 1888 Ivy League football. I just ran you through the 1888 Yale football performance schedule in order to find a team that has been as dominant as Alabama this year. You have to go that far back. Alabama right now is not just competing for a national championship. They are competing for history. Because if they go 15-0, first of all, they'll be the first FBS team to ever go 15-0. We've never had a team go undefeated in the playoff era. So we've never had a 15-0 team. Had some 14-1s, never had some 15-0s. 
So on its face, they would have more wins than any FBS team in the history of college football. But if they continue to win all these games by double digits, they would do something that nobody else has done. They are on a pace right now that has never been equaled before in the history of college football. Now, maybe somebody's going to be able to stand up and beat them. Maybe Oklahoma will do it. Maybe Ohio State will do it. Maybe Georgia will do it. Maybe it'll be Notre Dame or Clemson. But right now, Alabama is an unparalleled level of dominance when you look at the entire scope and history of college football. Are they the greatest ever? They at least are in that conversation up there with the good old team from 1888 in Yale. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Britt McHenry joins us now, speaking of Dominant. She's now moved into Fox News. She is Dominant there. She's at Britt McHenry on Twitter. Britt, which do you like more? Does any part of you, when it comes down towards the NFL playoff race, do you miss sports or are you loving so much what you're doing now that you don't miss it at all? There are parts of it that I miss. And just a quick caveat, I know you know this, but it's like planes, trains, and automobiles. If, if I cut out of service, everyone listening, I'm on a train in New York right now. I, I miss play. I, I miss baseball postseason. That was probably my favorite thing to cover. And I miss um, January, like the play, like covering the playoffs. Um, I miss that. But I like kind of this intersection now of politics and sports together. So it's a good fit at Fox. So what are you doing now? I know that they are doing now a new streaming service, which is actually going to be really cool. And I think there's a lot of media companies in general that are making this move, right? They are deciding that they are going to set up subscription services. This is Fox News' kind of toe in the water to see how this is going to work. You are doing what for Fox News now? So we have a show called UnPC. So it's like the title. We're going to say a lot. When I was hired, it was pretty much, we want your Twitter feed in the show, <laughs> for better or for worse. Um, and I'm going to be with Tyrus, who's a former wrestler. Uh, so a lot of sports fans listening probably know who he is. And uh, it's two days a week right now, Thursday and Friday. And um, we're, we're going to talk, like, we can talk from anything to Bernie Sanders running his mouth again about running for president when he's, he would be 79 years old in 2020, like it just won't happen, to, um, to millennials not leaving their apartments, and, you know, or like living with their parents. Like, so we talk about a lot of just cultural issues going on, and it can be very political. Or like I wrote an op-ed for FoxNews.com about Tiger's big win at the Tour Championship. So I think if you're interested in, in other things than just the box scores, it's a good place for you to be. Kind of like your show, right? I mean, you talk about a lot of different things as well. Yeah, we cover a lot of ground on this show. We're talking to Britt McHenry, and I'm assuming you're on your way to New York to do Fox News things, leaving from D.C. on the train there. So thanks for getting up with us early this morning. Um, In general, this Reuben Foster decision, you are in D.C., the decision yeah. to go ahead and pick him up after he was released for, for domestic violence, another domestic violence incident, what has been the vibe in D.C., and what did you think about it? I think it's absolutely disgusting. You know, the Redskins clearly made the statement, we don't care about women. <laughs> we don't. If it means that we can pick up a, a great player on the cheap, we can win one more game, we really don't care because – He's been arrested three times, and I've had a lot of people tweet me. I don't know about your reactions, but they've said, well, this, this woman made up a story before. Exactly. I'm going to ask you this, Clay, as a man. 
would you ever go back or hang out again with a woman who allegedly made up false statements about you? Would you ever put yourself back in that situation when you were already suspended for two games, not just for domestic violence too, but for marijuana possession? So he's now had three arrests. So I'm all for second chances, but this is a person who continually makes very poor choices. And as much as you and I have been against, you know, the, the NFL anthem protests, it's the wrong time, in my opinion, to do that. How do you say that some of those players are distractions, but this guy isn't? It, it is a fascinating question. And um, to me, and I said this on the show yesterday, if you make the decision to stay with a woman who falsely accuses you of domestic violence, taking her at her word the second part, not the first time, you have surrounded yourself not only with a toxic relationship, but also with a lot of people who you don't listen to. Because everybody out there, it doesn't have to be this toxic, knows a friend or a family member who's been in a relationship and you've been like, dude or girl, you've got to get out of this relationship. I would not, if I were uh, Reuben Foster, I would not be alone with this woman without a witness if she had gotten me almost sent to prison for alleging something false. And I don't know what happened now. She could be making it up again, but he's clearly guilty at minimum of bad judgment to put himself into this situation again. Or, or Clay, and I, I, I do not know this as fact. I'm not reporting on this story, but the fact that he continued to hang out with her again makes the question arise in my mind, was she really making it up before or was there some yeah. money involved to pay it off? And he keeps going back to her. I mean, that's, that's a possible question. And the fact that the Eagles, I like that organization. I liked covering them. If you're an Eagles fan, fly, Eagles fly. If the fact that they actually called the police station. What a novel concept, Clay, to find out what happened in that arrest report. And then they backed away and said, oh, no, we're out of this. But yet the Redskins <laughs> did not even put a phone call in until they got backlash on social media. It's indicative of that organization. And it's just another PR disaster that the Redskins have put themselves in. I mean, this is the same team that was in an embroiled lawsuit with their former general manager. It's like they can't get out of their own way. And, yeah, and you know, they all, yeah. No, I'm glad you said that. Now, you and I both think that Kaepernick and the way he protested didn't make sense. Oh, we're free market people that businesses yeah. have the right to employ anybody they want. Yeah. Having said that, Britt, if I had to choose between employing Colin Kaepernick or Reuben Foster, I would employ Colin Kaepernick. Now, I probably would decide I don't want to employ either of them, but if I had to make that choice, do I want to employ Colin Kaepernick, who may alienate many of my fans based on the way that he has chosen to protest the national anthem, uh, based on his own political opinions, or, and people know that I've been critical of Colin Kaepernick, or if I had to choose to sign Reuben Foster, who has got all of these domestic violence incidents in his past, as well as multiple arrests and everything else, I don't even think it's that difficult of a call. I go with Colin Kaepernick if I have to choose between those two. What about you? Absolutely. And this only puts fuel to the fire of the Colin Kaepernick crowd, you know, who still for some reason think he'll play a down in the NFL two, three years later after the, you know, he began his big protest, which will never happen. But if I had to choose one, of course, I'm going to choose the guy that isn't beating women in his spare time, allegedly beating women in his spare time. I mean, there's just so many times where it's like, and this is for any of us, if you keep screwing up or you keep getting in headlines where you're doing bad things, and, you know, I've certainly made mistakes play in my life, but if you continually do that, maybe the issue isn't other people, the issue is you. And, I think, um, yeah. 
I think that's well said. The issue is all. This is my big preaching moment every morning on the show on some level. Own yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you make mistakes, fine. It's on you. Don't look to blame other people for things that happen to you. Ultimately, you're the master of your ship. You are the person who makes all the decisions. And I feel like we're in an era now where everybody, especially in social media in this modern era, as soon as anything happens, everybody else looks around and points to someone else and says, but, but, look at that person. That doesn't really matter to me. Look inside yourself. You made the decisions. You put yourself in this scenario. And Reuben Foster has done that time after time. And here's the other thing. The Redskins say they're not going to play him this year. So why not just sit out for – let him sit out for the rest of the offseason, figure out what happened here. Maybe this woman will say again, hey, I made it up again. Uh, Maybe he's buying her off. Who knows what's going on? It's clearly a toxic relationship regardless – at least then you would have more facts. This just doesn't seem like a very good risk-reward to me. No, and I have a lot of respect for the Shanahans. You know, I covered both Kyle and and Mike Shanahan in Washington, D.C. And for Kyle Shanahan to wash his hands of this, and they basically essentially gave him a second chance if it was, I think that shows a lot about behind-the-scenes character that we don't know about. And I have to laugh, Clay, at the the ardent fans, and I, I respect the passion, but the people saying, oh, well, It'll be okay. He'll be around former Alabama teammates. Like what? Like that means you're gonna that's gonna prevent somebody from hitting a woman when they've been alleged of it several times. Like oh, I'm, you know, Crimson Tide. Like Roll Tide. Like that. That to me is so laughable, and it's just really hard for me to look at the NFL in this scenario, especially the Redskins, and say, okay, go wear pink in October. You really care about women when you're signing this guy within 72 hours, Clay. 72 hours of an arrest, they signed him or claimed him off waivers. Yeah, and this goes to something else, Britt, and I know you spend a lot of time in media circles, so you can think about this. I will give the Redskins credit so far on this. One of the things that really frustrates me is when a team does something that you know is going to be controversial, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, and then they immediately run as soon as the controversy arises, right? Do you Mm -hmm. think the Redskins had any idea how controversial this was going to be? Because at least to their credit so far – they haven't run and re-released uh, Reuben Foster, even though there's obviously been a lot of negative attention associated with him. Did they know what was coming and they still made the decision, or do you think they were surprised by the outrage? I think that they just went with the decision to try to get a player on the cheap, and now they're doing damage control. And, you know, it, it, they've done this several times before, but that's, that's usually what, you know, you act first and think later with some, some of the personnel in their front office, in my opinion. Uh, All right, I got a good story for you. We talked about this earlier on the show. I'm not sure if you've even seen it. Um, The NFL this year has allowed everybody to kind of celebrate. There doesn't seem to be any controversies really associated with touchdown celebrations. The overall vibe of the league is a good one. College football has let it be known. Oklahoma and Texas are playing in the Big 12 title game this weekend, and they have said, hey – the Longhorns like to do their hook'em sign, right? They like to flash mm-hmm. their hook'em sign. They have said that any Oklahoma player who does the downward-facing hook'em sign is going to be uh, flagged for 15 yards. It'll be a personal foul. It'll be a significant penalty. Why in the world do we need to police hand gestures in college football and put kind of penalties in this situation? Isn't this just ludicrous? What was about the pageantry? thought that's where you could allow kids to have fun this is a controversy that i think is 
more absurd the more time I spend thinking about it. And we took a lot of calls in hour two. If you're just waking up and you're not familiar with this story, Oklahoma and Texas are playing in the Big 12 championship game. It's a big game. Uh, if Oklahoma wins, they'll be in the college football playoff. If they lose and Ohio State beats Northwestern, it's probably going to be Ohio State in the college football playoff. There are lots of different storylines that you could latch on to that you could pay attention to. The Big 12 is focused right now on whether or not Oklahoma players are going to do downwards hook'em signs and letting it be known that if they do, every time they see it, or the officials do, that's a 15-yard penalty. That's just utterly absurd in my mind, beyond a shadow of a doubt. Of all of the things that you could be focused on as the college football race comes towards its conclusion, and it also just further buttresses this argument that there's a different standard at play for Texas as opposed to everybody else. If you can do the thumbs up, you should be able to do the thumbs down. This is insane to me that we have reached this universe in the world of college football where this is not acceptable. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. L.A. Braun is still going on. And for everybody waking up on the West Coast, we're keeping people plugged in on everything going on with LeBron James in the most uh, outrageous, satirical, absurd fashion that we know of. It's called L.A. Braun, and it sounds a little bit something like this. L.A. Braun. I got, I got, I got, I got. From the first show in the country to predict hashtag future Laker. Instead of three hours of it, Clay Travis captures all the mania in three minutes. LeBron has picked up the circus tent, and it has followed him wherever he has gone. Yesterday, Danny G, you had a very limited responsibility. (laughs) You could not get the points and the rebounds right for LeBron James and their loss to the Denver Nuggets. Now there is a new (laughs) L.A. Braun drama that has emerged that has got all the tongues wagging, and it is what? Well, two nights ago, I had a Tinder date over, which is why I didn't have the Lakers game on full disclosure. But there was no game to miss last night, but there is news this morning, a report Anonymous scouts say LeBron has been ignoring Luke Walton's play calls while running point guard in Rondo's absence. So, Clay, do you believe this report? And if so, is it a big deal? How often, a genuine, a legitimate question, how often do NBA coaches send in plays? Uh, usually after timeouts. Yeah, it's rare, though, right? By and large. And so uh, I believe that LeBron James could have a play that, that he has been given, and then he basically calls in audible when he sees how the play is being defended. LeBron has played enough games where he doesn't have to mindlessly run whatever the coach uh, wants him to run. However, LeBron James is a coach killer, right? Ask David Blatt, ask... Uh, Ask uh, Eric Spolstra, even though he got to keep his job. Ask uh, Mike Brown. Ask Ty Lue. All LeBron James does is get coaches fired. And so if I'm Luke Walton, I would bet that Luke Walton is going to get fired at some point this season. 
unless the Lakers are having an incredible year because LeBron James is not going to be happy with him. That's what L.A. Braun does. He rebels. He creates a stir. He is the king millennial. He's always upset, and his feelings are always bothered. He would definitely be upset if somebody threw up the hook'em horn sign and he was a longhorn. I'm Clay Travis. We're out. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.